Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Well, hello everyone, we're back. It's me, Elliot, joined by Keith. Howdy, howdy, movie lovers. As we live and breathe, the trash heap will not die. Much yeah, like the drive-in. That's true, yeah. How about that? Here we are again, uh, still recording in separate areas or separate cities, I guess. Um, almost a year since we've... Uh, Vocally entwined by the internet. Yeah. As it should be. Yeah. Uh, how you doing, Keith? I'm surviving. Same. <laughs> <laughs> It's like that. It's like the scene at the, uh, like the third act of Shaun of the Dead, where they're mm-hmm. just sitting in the pub, like, "Well, what do we do now?" Yeah, yeah. Se- seriously, eating pig snacks and hog lumps and whatever the hell else kind of goofy snacks. I mean, that's kind of that's one thing I'm really exploring. Is there's a Seven Eleven about a block away, and I've really been diving into some of the more ne- unique snack and beverage options. Ooh, I went to a 7-Eleven once since the pandemic started, and I think it was one of my worst uh, pandemic experiences. So I have not been, I have not been back. I mean, I think that's for the best, like for your health overall. Right. But yeah. uh, I was sort of spurred on by there's construction going on across from my apartment, and some weird stuff has started to come out of the water faucet. And while it's unlikely dangerous. It's very off-putting. So I've been trying to keep the majority of water that I ingest uh, as bottled water oh, okay, until yeah. the until the construction's over and the you know whatever's going on in the pipes settles down a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, my my experience was you know like in in zombie movie like zombie movies where they're like well into the zombie world like it's been going on for a long time and. They're doing like a supply run and they open up like a meat locker and there's just a bunch of like rotting zombies that kind of rise up from oh, yeah. a pile of goo. That's kind of what my 7-Eleven experience was like <laughs> uh, uh, in terms of like, yeah, I'm fairly sure that uh, there's just coronavirus all over this place right now. I don't know, Shout out to the 7-Eleven uh, strategery because I was impressed with they've got a, uh, at least my local one has a... Uh, 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 hand sanitizer by the door they've got the big plastic shielding everywhere and uh, and I feel like the the cashier's off-putting demeanor mm-hmm. has kept most people out of the store allowing me to move around freely without having to interact with anybody oh no yeah mine was a total no man's land I walked in and uh uh, I like went in and it seemed like first it seemed like there was nobody in there. And then I went around the corner and I discovered that I was the only person in there wearing a mask. And I turned around and I, w- I was literally surrounded by groups of people just like s- drooling on things. Nice. So there, there you go. Um, anyway, we didn't come here to talk about 7-Eleven. No, but it's always fun to humanize ourselves by... Telling anecdotes about going to the market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we are real people. We're not just one-track mind lunatics who just, you know, sit in a um, underground room watching movies nonstop with our eyelids pinned open. That's not yeah. who we are. We're, so. 
you know, we have errands to run, we have lives to live, toilets to clean, uh, furniture to dust. Yeah. Families, right? Families. We have families. Some, something resembling that. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't really seen them, but you know. Yeah. But nobody cares. You're right. We're here. Yeah. We're here to talk about movies that we love and movies that other people hate and uh movies that sometimes we both love and hate at the same time yeah that's the fun part that's i mean prepping for this episode like i really got fired up and was reminded like just how much i love movies yeah. so i got to watch uh, a movie that i haven't seen in a very long time and my impression of it was incorrect or I misremembered it, and so watching it was surprising and felt really fresh, and yeah. that's always a thrill, because when you watch movies all the time, it's easy to get sort of numb Yo, to them, yeah. and it becomes a game of finding people that you can live vicariously through and experience them mm-hmm. you know, for the first time over again, but when you get to just do that yourself, uh, it's the best feeling. Well, I know we haven't announced what the upcoming series we're going to do is specifically yet. I mean, at least not on the episode. I'm sure there's a thumbnail that already says it on the podcast app or whatever. But well, maybe I'll make something mysterious that people have to decipher. It'll be yeah. some kind of a puzzle so that they I have would, to listen I, to the episode to figure I would, out. I would never click on that episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bad idea. <laughs> but, but in preparing for this series, uh, a lot of the movies in this series that we're going to be talking about are things I kind of look at as like, I'm not comparing movies to friends, but like, oh, this movie's my friend. But the same way you have a friend where it's like, I really like you, but there's this one thing about you that drives me nuts. <laughs> That's the way I look at a, a lot of the movies we're going to be talking about, or some of the movies we're going to be talking about in this series. And should we announce the series, Keith? Not quite. Cause not I, quite? I, okay. I think to your point, I think that, yeah, these movies were... Uh, you know, as eye-rolling as it might be, these movies were a, a part of our adolescence and, you know... And younger. Oh, well, my, my childhood. You know, right. you might be yeah. to have see, see that everywhere because nostalgia is out of control uh, mm-hmm. because we live in a dystopian future where people just yearn for the past. But it is, it really is like my childhood and your childhood and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it permeates... Our, our formative years so uh talking about these it's it's gonna get emotional it's gonna get personal and uh you know we're really gonna like get into the nitty-gritty and yeah and, and tear apart our breakdown our our psychological makeup here it's gonna be Absolutely. pretty intense honestly yes all right um but and to that point to that point I was thinking we haven't we haven't given a name quite yet to the series, but what about see if you can dig this Xenomania? Xenomania? Wait a minute, are we going to be talking about the Alien franchise? Yeah, Xenomania. You you've seen them, you've heard them ad nauseum. Everyone's talked about them at length. There's absolutely nothing new we can say to bring something new to the table, but we're going to talk about them anyway. That's right. Uh, what is it? What was the other thing we just said before we started recording? I don't oh, know. Man. It was something like, I don't know. Yeah, forget it. I could go on. Uh, Xenomania? I don't. I, I think that's fine. I don't have any other names. You don't? Well, let's, uh, 
Let's see if we can come up with something real quick. Yeah, some, okay. Some really bad ones. Some really bad ones. Alien uh, the thing with the pants. <laughs> uh, Ripley's Choice. Oh, nice. I mean, that actually does play into Alien 3. Yeah, that's not bad. And a little bit of Alien Resurrection. Yeah, although it does, once that part of the series ends, then it's not going to be relevant anymore. That's but true. But I like it. I think it's pretty funny. Alien Through the Ages. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Ridley Scott's, uh, I don't know. I don't, really, I don't know Alien movies. I kind of like them. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, uh, the Egg... Chronicles. Oh, that is yes. <laughs> the Egg Chronicles. Is, the Egg Chronicles. That is it. Okay, we'll do fuck, it. Fuck Xenomania. <laughs> fuck any of the like nonsense, like that just poured out of my mouth. The Egg Chronicles is one hundred percent the name of this series. I know. Uh, I knew. They, I knew we could get there. Okay, so the Egg Chronicles. We're gonna talk about these alien movies. We're gonna talk about. The impact they had on us, maybe the this entries that people like, the entries that people don't like. We're not going to talk. I, we're not going to talk too much about like how great Alien is because we all know that it's great. We can't add anything to that. But there's some other ones that people have uh, little controversial opinions about. Or yeah, after you know, forty years after the original Alien, with all the kooky sequels and good sequels and spinoffs and everything that comes with it. Uh, there's so much to talk about. Even, I mean, even now, what twenty years since Alien Three and and Resurrection? Oh yeah, that's incredible. And I think when people go and look back at these movies, and also the people who have grown up, are you in the shower right now? Me? No. Oh, I wish. <laughs> We're saving a lot of time. I wanna... Can you imagine oh. podcasting in the shower? Or in the tub with like Ooh. a little a little tray with I mean, your I'm, microphone. I, see, here's the thing. I'm definitely going to have to shower after this because podcasting always gets me really sweaty and grimy. Oh, yeah. You know, so if I could do those two at the same time, I would just be cutting hours out of my day. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry about that. That little, uh, <laughs> I heard some, I heard running water and thought maybe oh, you were, I, I, you were I just, bathing. No, I was just peeing my pants. Oh. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, kind of a recurring thing that I see is people who grow up and their first point of contact or entry point into a franchise or a series, it becomes their favorite because that they have their fondest memories and attachments. So people that saw alien three originally and alien resurrection originally, you know, those are going to, for a generation, those are the alien and aliens uh, Mm -hmm. for them. And they go back and look at, you know, the original, and it becomes like, well, that's, it's tame, or it's corny, or it doesn't quite have the same energy, or like visual stuff, whatever reason, but it becomes their favorite. So I think talking about those is, is a lot of fun. And in fact, we might, it might be fun to get some sound bites and, uh, and talk to some people who, you know, those are their favorites in the series and, and their memories of seeing those movies for the first time. But then after that, we're going to move on to, you know, outside of the series to Prometheus and Covenant and 
maybe we'll even talk about uh, the Kenner Toy series and the cartoon and uh, all kinds of wacky stuff. Well, yeah, I think what we kind of decided would be have like this little mini intro episode. We'll touch on the first two aliens maybe a little bit, but let's kind of more talk about the alien universe. Then we'll do what, like an episode on Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection probably? Yo, yeah, baby. Then go move on to Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Yeah, I think to yeah those movies together are really, you know, are interconnected and and thematically uh, joined at the hip. So it'll be good to discuss them together and mm-hmm. and really dig in. Yeah, and then just move on to all the little odds, ends, and bits. You know, something that does strike me about this whole franchise is I was trying to think of it, if there are other franchises quite like it. Rambo. And at least. Uh, in a way, maybe the closest, I, honestly. Yeah, if if not the first two movies. F- first Blood to, uh, First Blood Part 2 are very much in line with Alien and Aliens. Well, which is funny because James Cameron co-wrote the screenplay for First Blood Part 2. Buh? Yeah. That uh, son of a and bitch. He, and he did Ali- Aliens. But in terms, I was thinking in terms of like, I was trying to think of a franchise like this, because this franchise, one, it goes from the first movie to to being completely dead serious, right? To pretty quick to, you know, uh, like a dark thing. Then the next movie is also serious, but a huge action movie. And then it goes to complete lunacy levels. Yes. Um, But it has continuity throughout you know so there's other move franchises that maybe started out kind of goofy and then went way goofy or there's franchises that started out serious that ended up crazy but didn't have the same amount of continuity i mean pretty much every movie in this series has at least some form of continuity with it except for what maybe alien versus predator requiem Oh, yeah. We can't forget about those crossover movies. We're going to talk about those, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But even Hell like yeah. Alien vs. Predator has continuity within the the original franchise. It's true. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not a complete standalone, you know? No. So, yeah, trying to think about that, I couldn't think of... I, I, and I guess you're kind of right that maybe Rambo is the closest because Rambo starts out dead serious. And if you watched Rambo Last Blood... It came out last year or what a year before. It ends on a, on a on a kooky note. I couldn't watch it because Wait. I saw one clip online that had a thumbnail and it was Rambo getting beaten up by like twenty guys, and mm-hmm. I was like, "How can I watch that in good conscience? How can I watch one of my heroes known for being invincible and running on God mode all the time? How could I possibly watch him?" be in a vulnerable position like that it's it's a it's it's a pretty terrible movie uh i think all all the other entries in the movies have their at least have their merits to a certain degree you know well here's a prime example my entry point into rambo was rambo 3 that was the first one that i saw on television yeah and then i saw first blood because first blood was also on tv a lot but it just didn't as a kid you know who played with action figures and like cartoons rambo 3 was my favorite because even though it was oddly set in you know a very timely and and prescient reality uh it was still so over the top and wild you know tank versus helicopter and 
and all that. But that's what a kid gets excited about. Well, I actually came really late to the Rambo game. I didn't see any of the Rambo movies. Is that maybe like the tail end of one on TV or something? But like never saw a whole Rambo movie until probably my late teens, maybe even early 20s. I don't know. Wow, you're too, too busy reading Shakespeare and learning That's, the violin, yeah. right? Yeah, so so I definitely did them in order. And uh, I was probably late teens, not 20s. Um, but so First Blood was the first one I saw, and I loved that because that's just a really great movie, you know? And then the second one I enjoyed for its over-the-topness and re- ridiculous political propaga- propaganda. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, and uh, same with the same with the, the third one. Um, so I've enjoyed all of those movies on some extent, except for I really didn't enjoy uh, the last one at all. It was pretty terrible. Well, that's too bad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's hard to think of some other series. I mean, I would immediately go to like horror series like Leprechaun or Nightmare on Elm Street or uh, even Hellraiser. But at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of sort of revisionist. Yeah, there's revisionist. It's not. There's not necessarily that continuity. And even when there is... A lot of those series started out just a little bit more ridiculous or a little kooky or kooky. Like the first alien is dead set in some form of basis of reality. You know, obviously it's science fiction and fantasy and none of this stuff is real, but it's presenting itself in a way that it's appears plausible. Yeah. As real as possible. And then it, it really is like a progression of like nuttier and nuttier. And even when they tried to reset with alien three, it still somehow managed to, circumvent that mm-hmm. yeah there's 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 yeah the the it's not it's not the norm in american franchises because normally you have things where it's like the james bond movie there's some crazy ones there's some kooky ones there's some eras that don't make any sense or some that are very like trying to be serious but there is zero continuity between them yes you know at no point does uh octopusy and um uh like die another day or is that one even out no yeah not that one um yeah that the, isn't that uh a pierce brosnan yeah i wasn't thinking about that one i was thinking about uh skyfall ah in no world did those two movies exist in the same unit like the same universe you know in the skyfall world octopusy never happened you know yeah sure I mean, you're talking to the wrong guy. I hate those that James Bond. Show. I'm not. A, I'm it's, not a big James Bond bogus. fan either. I was just talking about. It. I was just pulling out ones that I've seen. I mean, speaking of like you know childhood entry points, like there is n- literally nothing about James Bond movies that you know fascinated me or dazzled me or piqued any interest in me as a child. It was literally like a boring adult movie, and I could not fathom why it would be shown on television so much, or there would be marathons on, right? You know certain holidays and things like that it's just and to this day i mean some of the more modern ones have some really great action direction and things I like, like that i like but, the i like the daniel craig ones yeah but aside from that that piece it's the the stories i mean i think there's much better more interesting spy movies oh yeah even even as recent as like atomic blonde i think is more of a way more interesting spy movie than mm-hmm. anything but i've never really liked spy movies like James Bond is so gadgety, you know? Yeah. And I don't mind that, except in the terms of like, uh, I've made you eight random gadgets. 
and oh, luckily I just had a use for him in my mission this time. Like the, in those early Bond movies, it's never like, hey, you're going to be doing this, so you're going to need this specific gadget. It's just yeah, like, they just seemingly at random. It's like I'm here's the new stuff I made. Take it if you want. And like, luckily, <laughs> yeah, and, and, I mean, and, I and none like, of them are fun. No, right, exactly. There could be humor to that, but it's never really. No, they're pretty dry. It's pretty dry. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, we didn't come here to talk about James Bond. No, it's so Rambo. easy for us to to go off on these tangents, and no. as, as soon as something springs up, it's like, oh, let's talk about that. We'll be here yeah. for for years. Yeah. No one wants to listen to a year long episode where we're mm-hmm. sleeping and waking up and snoring and bathing mm-hmm. and eating. It's disgusting. No, absolutely not. No, Alien. 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 It's funny that you talk about American franchises. Alien being a English directed half English cast movie that right. was shot in England. <laughs> True. But it was written by a dude from like the like rural Wisconsin or something. Oh, I love Tennessee Ron Ron Shusett and Dan O'Bannon. Yeah. Two of the most unlikely heroes and most fun characters in movie history. Yeah, seriously. And it's it's kind of unique too, like Dan O'Bannon this is a is somewhat of a unique movie in his filmography. I mean, he's done a lot of science fiction. He's done a lot of horror stuff, whatever. But if you meet, if you watch an interview with the guy, the guy, he's a really fun, kooky character, and all of his other stuff kind of has a fun kookiness to it. And this yes. one is just so serious. So I kind of always wonder. Well, he got he really got sort of railroaded. Absolutely. On this, you know, he, him and Ron Chusette were roommates or they were living together. He was sleeping on the couch or some shit. He was like, mm. I think he was getting ready to quit. He was going to leave Hollywood. He was like ready to throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got inspired by something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he wanted to write a movie about an alien on board a spaceship. And he, uh, I, I did. I just watched uh, that. It was that documentary memory. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was it was an EC comic. Oh, yeah, right, like the right, old right, horror right. comics from the fifties, where there was a, a a meteor that hit like a naval vessel, and inside of it were eggs. And one buddy, somebody accidentally eats like they trick someone into eating the egg, and then uh, that's a good and, prank, bro, dude. The Egg Chronicles. Can you imagine if that if that happened today? It would you would see it on YouTube. It would be like some dumb dumb. Yeah. teenagers like oh i dare you to eat it and they would do it and then they An would film would it from yeah the, the parasite would come out and we'd be like oh shit here we go i'm in for that i'm in i'm into that bring it on but yeah so that's what it was it was this comic book and he said he shamelessly ripped it off and he didn't you know he was just like i don't care like he's like he wasn't trying to pass it off that like that a- aspect of it as his own i mean idea. is that even really a ripoff though i would like, say you no take the basic nugget of an idea and then build off of that well also that is a thing that exists in nature that's another thing they taught he talks about was always being like terrified of insects as a child and there's lots of parasitic insects right and wasps do the very same thing so it's i would say it's not a complete ripoff it's just like more of an inspiration no if you i think if you take the basic premise and setup of a situation i don't think that's stealing an idea no it's also not like some kind of like mind-blowing like unique concept either right so i don't i wouldn't perhaps perhaps it wasn't cinema at the time you know like that 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 particular type of parasitic organism 
but not in like I said, not in the world. It existed in nature. It wasn't I, a completely uh, out of the blue idea. Yeah, I mean, I don't think. I mean, you said it already. If the, a meteor, you know, crashes and has eggs in it and all that, like you know, having the ship with the eggs inside and them having to go to the the planet on a, a to seek out a beacon and and all that stuff. I think how once once it kicks off, it becomes a completely different thing. And the, the, also the the real unique part is, you know, the parasite attaching to the face, and then the alien coming out and then growing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's really, it's really, it's it's. I mean, if like if that's a rip, if the if that little piece is a rip off, then literally every movie is a rip off, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's like oh, you oh you had a bank robbery in in your movie. Well, I had a bank robbery. Yeah, in I my invented movie. bank robbery yeah. movies. Well, and then the guy who did the first bank robbery should come along and be like, hey, you can't use my life. For your yeah. inspiration, give me give me all your money. Exactly, I'm robbing you. I'm a robber. But it is, yeah. I'm interested. Is uh, I'm interested because like you did, he did kind of get like pigeonholed and whatnot. But like he is a goofy character in real life. His he movie, is, and most... and he's also not necessarily the always making always making the best creative decisions. No, and so like things like all of the names being changed and some of the more like goofy and clunky pieces being rewritten. Well, I mean the name of the the original title of the screenplay was Star, Star Beast. Beast. So would we have gotten like under a different hands? Uh, I think would we I mean if he was the same script but under different hands would we have gotten we definitely wouldn't have gotten the same movie. We might have gotten a fun more schlocky horror movie or oh, yeah. you know what I mean? I yeah, mean, but because, that was uh, Ron Chusette who uh, suggested that, luckily. So he yeah. he doesn't have to, you know, sort of feel abused by the the system in that case because it was his friend who was like, well, we keep seeing this word pop up in the screenplay. Why don't we just call it alien? It's a noun and a verb, and it just, it's much classier. It's one of those titles of a movie that's like you were shocked that a movie wasn't named that before. Well, and now... If you go on any streaming service, you see a hundred one-word movies that right. are just the most generic nonsense. Mm-hmm. And now all of those great titles are just snatched up. Yeah, which it's is like, really a shame. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is, but it's like it, it, those titles. This is kind of the time when I felt felt like those titles first started coming to be, like Halloween. Like, how on earth was there not a movie called Halloween before Halloween? You know, but comes out around a similar time as this one. Right. It is. It's incredible that no one ever considered that before. But that's what happens when, you know, innovation is not this like magical, like dramatic thing. It just sort of happens. And then everyone looks back and is like, oh, shit, that's never happened before. Exactly. And I think when you talk about innovation, I think that is one of the key components about what is significant about not just this franchise, but this first movie in the franchise, because I mean, you could say, Oh, my favorite one is aliens or my favorite one is I, 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 you know, I, I have a dark horse entry and my favorite one is alien covenant, but there's a handful of movies in cinema history. And this, and this is where credit is where credit is due. There are movies before alien. And then there are movies after alien. And there's not a ton of movies where you can point to that and say like, this is where it changed, you know? There were there wasn't movies like this beforehand, and there and movies after this were 
all affected by it somehow, you know? Yeah, and they it's hard... within the genre. And it's even hard for them to claim that they weren't because it was just right. so pervasive. Right. So it's like we could, we could pick all of our, like, you know, I think sometimes it's, like, cool to be like, oh, well, I don't like this movie because it's too popular. I like this weird blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, like, okay, The Shining doesn't have to be your favorite ghost movie, but you have to acknowledge that the signing significance yes, is, exactly. is appropriate, you know? Yep. So just to try and like write it off and just be like, man, it's not nearly as good as the house where evil dwells, you know? Yeah. Well, there's a, that's the, the and that's the big line between preference versus mm-hmm. significance. And I think that's what a lot of people forget, uh, especially on the internet. Yeah. Well, it's also too, it's like, even if you preference one later, it's like, again, like, this once this film is in within the zeitgeist, you can't you can't unsee it. So therefore, it's having an influence on you. It's like when bands try to sound exactly like a garage rock band from the sixties. They never do, because they have the burden of hearing already have heard all of that music and all music that comes after it. So one way or another, that's seeping into their creative subconscious. Whereas when those bands came out initially, they weren't. They didn't have the influence of each other. They only had the influence of what came before them. Right, and it's only it only has that the desired impact to someone who exists in a vacuum. Right. Yeah, exactly. there's no escaping it. So basically, uh, the Alien franchise influenced every movie ever made before it and after it. Yes, specifically the Passion of the Christ. One, I'll, I mean, honestly. If we get the, the parallels are undeniable. <laughs> if we get if we get into some of the later <laughs> entries, <laughs> it's not that it's not that far fetched. Hmm. Yeah. So Alien is known for, I mean, without question, the iconic alien creature designed by H.R. Giger, right? Right. Without without that, you've got nothing. That was the the one of the biggest innovations aside from the the setup of, you know, truckers in space and right. the industrial design and look and feel of the whole, uh, you know, ship environment. But that, it really is the alien. Um, and that's undeniable. And everybody knows, you know, ad nauseum, uh, you know, the, the alien creature has been dissected to death. But I'll say that one of my favorite parts outside of the actual alien is the evil undercover corporate robot trope. Yeah. And I don't know how many times I wasn't super into sci-fi movies prior to the eighties. And so I can't say for sure. I know that there's been evil robots in, you know, movies in the sixties and things like that. But the idea that the science officer on board your ship is working for this, corporation unbeknownst to you with its own agenda and kind of pulling the strings uh to only to be revealed later as a you know one of the protagonists kind of piling on to the 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 tension and the you know danger of the situation i think what you really tapped on something you said like well there'd been evil robots in movies before and yeah but it would always be like some big clunky like danger danger Mm -hmm. you know well uh like like laser laser eye gigantic robot. This yeah, was, big red eyes and visibly evil and yeah. We don't know that Ash is a robot until the, everyone else does, and the reveal of that 
is phenomenal because even when he like he first gets whacked and there's a little bit of white goo coming down from his forehead if you haven't seen the movie you really don't know what's going on at that moment yeah it's a and really it, confusing like unsettling kind of okay. and it's not till yafit koto like knocks his head off with a fire extinguisher and his reaction and everyone's reaction is, is as equal to when the, the alien bursts out of Kane. it's just yes like, oh shit he goes he goes Ash is a robot. Ash is a fucking robot. You know, this guy that they thought was a human this entire time yep. has been a machine that is trying to kill them. Very unassuming and disarming. They all sort of, they kind of use him as a doormat on yeah. it for the most part and don't appreciate his presence. They prefer uh, the science officer that they had previously. They're not mm-hmm. confused. They're really confused as to why you know, this guy even got assigned to this mission. Right. And if you watch the movie back too, like it's hard, it's hard to now kind of watch with virgin eyes because the alien franchise is something that's kind of always been in my memory. You know, I don't quite recall the first time I saw any of the movies. So I can't remember specifically when I saw that reveal. It's like, it's the same with like, uh, Darth Vader. I always, in my mind, I, I don't have a memory of not knowing that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's fa- father, so I'll never have that, I never had that surprise shock. Yes, and yeah, and I, I saw Empire Strikes Back first. That yeah. was my first Star Wars movie, so I was like, what? Huh? Exactly, yeah, so it's it's kind of weird to watch it, Trying to it's trying to dissect it how you would feel upon it, like I said, with Virgin Eyes, but if you've watched the movie now, you can see all these very well done, like, subtle clues to not necessarily him being a robot, but to him something being up right. know, that, that may not be obvious on a first, a first view. Yeah. Just signed kind of his own agenda and also acting in such a way that, you know, he's trying to stay out of everyone's way and avoid conflict and, and just, um, I mean, even, you know, his reaction to the, uh, the scene where they bring, Kane on board with the face hugger attached, the whole quarantine, uh, you know, conflict between everybody. And he just opens the door and it's like, yeah. bring him on in. Cause I yeah. don't want him to die. But it also is played in a way where it, it first appears he's acting with like irrational compassion, you know, like, yeah, he's breaking the rules for the same reason. Uh, Dallas is breaking the rules because he doesn't want his friend to die. Not because, he uh, he's trying to smuggle an alien onto the ship, but it's also suspicious because it's highly uncharacteristic of this, you know, goofy, awkward science yeah. officer who you know only seems to care about what he's doing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a it's a that is a one of the great moments in the film. I think you said about the alien design being iconic, and I obviously that's true. And I think the movie still would have worked, even if it had just been like a more generic insectoid looking thing but it definitely wouldn't be as strong but one of my particular things one of the things that makes it really work for me is the the life cycle of the alien the how it's you know the how it operates as a parasite how it just states this is what it kind of like takes these basic ideas like oh an alien's inside you or this or that and like really turns it into something unique and special and maybe that's why this movie stands out in uh, Dan O'Bannon's filmography, not just because he was surrounded by other talented filmmakers, but sometimes you just hit on the right genesis of ideas. Right. And you're like, oh, 
this how this alien procre procreates and infests and stuff is really unique and how ash is introduced at this time which maybe it's not a unique idea anymore but at the time certainly was you know and just enough of the right things going on at the right time that you have this genesis of everything being good because maybe some of his other movies all had one or two great ideas you know but this yeah, one but it like, didn't volley to the right people in order to like really push it over right. the top. But this one had five or six great ideas in the right hands, you yep. know. Yeah, I, I think mean, the life cycle was actually a result of the uh, David Geiler and Walter Hill rewrites. Oh yeah, sadly. That is sad, but I mean, also too. David Geiler is a real a hole. I don't. Also, know. His interviews, he comes off so like smug and like. You, uh -huh. you can tell there's a real beef between him and Dan O'Bannon. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, even too, on the right, we talk about the right hands, we pass this on to Ridley Scott, and there's no question that Ridley Scott is a great technical director, but a lot of his movies just feel shallow and hollow, you know? Oh, interesting. But at the same time, he's directed a few of my favorite movies. Sure. So, uh, so maybe he, it's not just, it's not just, Dan O'Bannon passed his product to the right people, but the right people, but the really Scott received the right material for him. Yeah. You know? Yep. He, yeah. And the, you know, the casting, I think, you know, is so crucial, you know, whoever oh, is responsible absolutely. for that is like, and you know, those people don't get a lot of credit um, along with some of the other folks that, you know, we, we always look to directors as the, you know, the auteur who is, is lead, steering the ship, but, you know, whoever well, was involved in casting, like, really knocked it out of the park, too. And none of these people were, were stars at the time, you know? I mean, right. the, big, the biggest stars in your movie right now at this point are Picket Fences guy. Um, Picket Fences? The guy who plays Dallas. Oh, Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt and uh, Harry Dean Stanton. Oh, Those right. Your, Harry Dean, who didn't even want to do it. Yeah, these are your biggest stars in the movie, you know, in a cast of seven... Here's here's a Six. great piece of trivia about Tom Skerritt. I I saw this and I couldn't. I was like, this has to go in the episode. When Tom Skerritt first read the screenplay for this movie, he declined to be involved as he was unimpressed with the writing quality and the low budget. <laughs> <laughs> After the screenplay was edited and the budget enhanced, Skerritt was approached again, which prompted him to sign on. So he was like, he was pretty timid about joining on. He was like, okay, well. Maybe I have a chance to make some money off of this shit, right? Yeah. Halfway through production, he approached writer and executive producer Ron Chusset, asking if he could trade his salary for half a percentage point of royalties. Wow. So at that point, halfway through production, he started to see the writing on the wall and was like, this thing's going to be a fucking monster. And if I can get in on that, and forgo my salary and just get a small cut of the royalties, I'm going to be set up for life. And he was fucking right. What a call. Like, what a gamble and a win. That's unbelievable. Seriously. I would love to see the numbers of, like, what he got on that initial box office run and then, you know, in the decades since then. It's probably obscene how much money he got from that. Oh, it's like same. I heard like uh, Danny Elfman didn't get paid very much for doing the Simpsons theme, but he gets paid a dollar every time it's played. Oh my god! So he's made more money off of that than every other thing he's done combined, pretty much. Like 
you know, being like all right, re- all record sales from Oingo Boingo, every movie he's ever composed, like the Simpsons c- gets played, you know, what, hundreds of 15 times of- a day. Yeah. I mean, in one location, you know, so it's like, you know, on one station, it gets played 15 times a day in one city. It's like, and then it's in syndicated in every state and it plays in almost every country in the world, you know. I'm sure someone out there could do the math on that. So if you are a genius, uh, try and calculate how many times the Simpsons theme is played uh, per year. And if you do that and give us a number, we'll send you some kind of gift. An autographed photo. Yeah, of the... But 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 it won't be of us. Of we'll Danny Elfman. <laughs> we'll autograph it, but it'll yeah. be a picture of we'll somebody else. <laughs> I'll put my name on it. Yeah, that's wild. Um, yeah, do you, do you find... Do you have any, like, glaring things in your mind before we get on to Aliens any, uh, that, like, stick out as being maybe a flaw in the first Alien? Well, I watched this within the last week, and I think that Alien is... I mean, it's 40 years old at this point, so there are a lot of glaring moments where it shows its age and feels like an old-timey movie. But conversely, there's still a ton of stuff that feels fresh and modern and uh, up-to-date, which is, that's kind of an incredible feat. But yeah, there's definitely some music in the climax that is like Mm. old-timey monster movie. Dun-dun-dun! And... um, you know, some of the shots of the alien, some of the movements, I don't think land. There's some shots of the alien just walking with its arms yeah, raised up that are really stupid and uh, just things like that. Um, but for the most part, this movie was so well thought out and designed uh, in such a considerate way that it doesn't really feel too outdated in a lot of ways. And I mean, the, the very premise of... It's literally a tow truck in space, you know, and the the roughnecks on board are fighting an eight-foot cockroach. Right. And that's pretty much it. There's nothing really for me, like, there's a couple things, like you say, like, they may look a little dated as terms of, like, when the movie was made. Uh, Obviously, computer screens aren't concave anymore, you know, so. Well, and even then, you can argue that, like, oh, this is old, like, repurposed tech you know what i mean like well yeah if you get into a tow truck you're you're gonna see like an old tape deck versus like yeah but i mean like is a is a spaceship that's made a hundred years from now going to have a a computer that was made in the 80s you know well you never know and frankly that stuff doesn't really bother me honestly uh i get much more bothered by things like when people have very time specific haircuts yes you know in a future movie where it's like you know, like Logan's run and everyone has like these very specific, like late 60s, 70s haircuts. Right. That and that's... Dri- oh, go ahead. I was going to say that stuff drives me way more, way more insane than like, oh, this isn't what a computer screen looks like anymore. And that's an easy one to praise because it's like they, they put this cast in and it's like, it's not like a bland cast where like, oh, look, there's, you know, Burt Reynolds and he's got big chops and a mustache. You're right. It's like Yafet Koto has like, you know, everybody's got like a kind of a military look to them aside from Tom Skerritt. But even then, he doesn't look too dated. I mean, I feel like they have haircuts that are maybe they're of the time, but they are generic enough that it's not absurd to think that someone might have them in the future. It's not something that we 
that someone wouldn't have today or, or if they did have today we'd be like oh you clearly were going for a 70s look you know and even people like uh, harry dean stanton his look is sort of like oh he's an older kind of grizzled like company yeah. man like you know he's, he's making a specific choice yeah yeah but there's always no matter the decade there's always people that look like that Right. So it's sort of re- it's very relatable and doesn't stick out very much. I agree. And the only thing to me in the whole and then like yeah, some of the there's maybe like some green screen stuff that isn't doesn't hold up to the, today's standards. But the only thing to me that kind of like really jumps out, uh, and this has nothing to do with the technical aspects of the film, but just something that doesn't really make sense based on what we've seen up until this point in terms of the aliens' behavior is when Ripley gets onto the escape pod and then the alien is just kind of like chilling. Yeah. But, but also making his presence known. That to me was always so weird. Well, there, I guess there was, I mean, if you kind of read into the, the whole lore and, and production, you find out that apparently there was this notion that the alien was like done and was going off to just find a place to die. Like its life cycle was coming to an end. And so Ripley could have conceivably just waited out the alien. She didn't but have to like blow it out of the airlock and all that stuff. Does that sound like someone trying to make a retroactive explanation for why something in a movie doesn't make sense? You know? I mean, you can also, there's also indicators that the aliens, even in the first one, that the aliens are intelligent. You know, like when Ripley's setting things off, the alien stop chases, stops chasing her and kind of dips off. So you're saying like, oh, maybe the alien knows that she's blowing the thing up and he, the alien's going to get on the escape pod to escape with Ripley. But then the alien would either would have stayed hidden or killed Ripley once right. on the escape pod. But instead of, it like lets her know that he, it's there, but then doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just an odd choice. And if it's just going out to die, why does it try and pull itself back into the spaceship after the hatch has been blown? Excellent question. I so, mean, survival instinct, perhaps? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. This is, like I said, this is the one the one thing in the whole movie where I'm like, ah, this has always just kind of bothered me, but yeah, who cares? But yeah, it's such a small... Yeah, other than that, I mean, I, I was always of the opinion that I remember falling asleep watching this movie and thinking it was boring and then watching it recently. Actually, the pace is like, it's pretty solid. Like everybody wakes up and immediately kind of gets to work and they're being social and, you know, doing whatever. And there's some, you know, tension between the characters. There's some comedy bits. And then, uh, then they get the, uh, distress beacon and things start moving along. So, um, yeah, it's hard to hard to find too many faults with this movie, but I, I like I said, a movie that's forty years old, I can still understand why some folks might, you know, think that this is not quite the most exciting thing they've ever seen. Sure, especially when movies like you know Battleship and Cowboys and Aliens exist. You know, oh boy. <laughs> Anywho. Well, that brings us on. Battleship somehow perfectly segues into the sequel, Aliens. Good Lord. 1986. This time, it's war. Yeah. It's not just one cockroach on the ship. This is a whole infestation. This is, this is bed bugs 
on the highest scale. Yes, indeed. It's uh, this is a, a, a unique sequel in the sense that it completely changes kind of the the tone of the movie, but may, uh, of the movie that pre- preceded it, but also at the same time stays completely true to it. Go on. Well, I mean, just the first one is just like you said, this slow paced. Uh, I mean, not slow paced, but digi- diligently paced. Uh, the movie that unravels and then kind of builds to a climax and then starts really amping up, and it's it's specifically a horror movie. It's a it's a. Oh, it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre in yeah, space. It's the, like they, they, they fam- it's, famously screened that movie. Uh, prior to production in order to get a sense of like what kind of movie they wanted to make. Yeah. Which is, it would be fun to watch those movies in tandem or in parallel and see where you can spot the similarities. Cause I feel like they couldn't be more different. Oh, absolutely. In, in certain ways, but yeah, but also in, in terms of tension building, you know, mm-hmm. there are definitely uh, similar DNA. But then when you get onto this one, the aliens, it's a straight up action movie. I mean, there's some horror. The aliens themselves are creepy, and there's some yeah. horrific moments. But you wouldn't call this movie a horror movie, you know? No, not at all. Um, but it's but it's a very organic uh, transition from one to the other, just in in its premise and its setup. In the first one, they find these things, they don't know what's going on, and then they get picked off one by one in a like essentially a slasher type scenario, right? And in this one, they're like, "Okay, we're going there. We're going to go blast them out with with the, with the with the army." And it's, it's a premise that connects seamlessly, but completely changes the tone. And I think that was one hundred percent the best way to make a sequel to this movie. And frankly, probably in a lot of instances, because if you just had just rehashed the exact same scenario, um your results wouldn't be good. And that's frankly kind of, well, I'm sure we'll talk about this more in the future episodes in this series, but some of the later installments, some of their biggest uh, uh, handicaps is that they live in the shadow of the movies that came before them. Right. Yeah. And I think you're right because it really takes all the questions that were asked by the first movie, what is this thing? Where does it come from? Uh, what would happen if it got out? And it shows us. It shows us the results, right? And Absolutely. I mean, it even and it even addresses, you know, what would happen to someone after going through this? Well, you find out because off the bat, Ripley gets found drifting in space and even though she was supposed to get rescued in a couple of weeks, uh, she, you know, ends up spending 50 years out there. So you get that twist, which is a lot of fun and really kind of sets up the despair and hopelessness of her character, you know, missing her daughter's 11th birthday and then also her funeral as yeah. an elderly woman, which is wild. It's such a great setup. And then the intervention of, you know, the corporate stooge who it turns out. Or no, wait, scratch that. I was about to say something that was incorrect. (laughs) Because you, well, you find out at a point that Burke is responsible for 
sending the the salvage people out to the ship uh you know, newt's parents mm-hmm. but i was about to say oh burke was the one who sent ripley out to the original lv426 and that's not correct because <laughs> he would correct. be like 100 years old <laughs> But it is the, the same company, you know. It's so that's one interesting thing that about aliens is that really it it it's it's in a backseat position, but I think it comes more to the forefront is this evil company that existed. Wayland Yutani is forever, regardless of aliens and robots and all these other villains. The evil corporation cannot die because it existed and was in power in the first Aliens, and then 50 years later, it's even bigger. Yeah. It is so, like, permeated the entire, like, it's out in space, it's on Earth. You cannot escape this evil corporation. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's the real alien. It is. It is the real the real parasite because it mm-hmm. feeds off of us and multiplies and grows bigger and there's no containing it. Wow. Thanks, James Cameron, you son of a bitch. That's a real Egg Chronicle right there. Yeah, the Egg Chronicles, man. That was a really inspired <laughs> genius. Um, yeah, this one is, this though is just like, it is, I hate when people try, a lot of times in, with, particularly like just in general when people go like, well, what movie's better? Or, but also in a franchise, what movie is better? It's like, is, and people say, is Alien or Aliens better? It's like, well, I don't know. Is Aliens a better horror movie than Well, yeah, Alien? they're... No, but they're, it's they're different. A, yeah, they're, they're so unique that it, like, tried to... But even though so the same, like, trying to compare them is really difficult. And once again, you could have a personal preference. Uh, but it's like saying, you know, okay, do you want a... Uh, uh, you know, just two eggs Benedict for breakfast, or do you want like uh, a whole fucking like Denny's Grand Slam breakfast? Which exactly. one? Which one's better? It's like, well, it depends on what you want. Like, if right. you just want two eggs to enjoy, uh, then you know the former is better. But if you want a gut buster and you want to be full in, in a coma after you get done eating breakfast, then the second one's going to work for right. you. I mean. Aliens is probably the movie that I'm more inclined to throw on on a Sunday afternoon. You know? Uh, yeah, it just has more going on. They're, they're, it's, it's just more per square inch. But it, whether or not it's... the That doesn't make it the, necessarily the better movie. You no, know? no. And, well, yeah, like you said, and, and like I said at the beginning of the show, it really is... It comes down to preference, and I think that's where people get confused about their opinions mm-hmm. and thinking, like, oh, obviously it's the better. It's like... You know, it would a bicycle with six wheels be better than a bicycle with two wheels? Well, yes, obviously. <laughs> yeah, obviously. I mean, I, the more just... <laughs> the more shit you cram onto something, the better it is. Without, that's why I have six microphones taped together. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but it does. It really does offer a lot in terms of value because you get, you know, you get more of Ripley's story. You get this expanded look at space and, uh, you know, kind of how all that works. And then you get this, like, ragtag group of Marines who all have, you know, these distinct personalities and a lot of, you know, fun quips and and banter. And then you get the real exploration of the life cycle of the alien, which is the kind of the star of the show here. Yeah, you get more and you, you get more... Um... 
you get more explanation of the aliens and how they work. Obviously, the introduction of the queen and the kind of layers they develop, and uh, some things that were in the original Alien that were cut out, like deleted scenes that are then used to build upon the, the whole lore and mythology. But you still have a healthy amount of mystery, you know. Oh yeah, and, definitely. Like even the exposition that explains the 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 alien life cycle is all just conjecture based on right. what they've observed they don't know for sure yeah and even and, when yeah. the, the you know the queen discussion that they have you know, <laughs> shout out to hudson for being the guy who who hits the nail on right. the head but then it's it's cool because you know uh uh bishop validates what he says and then you get the payoff at the end like oh there's the queen holy shit mm-hmm. yeah and it's a. Uh... But like it's the same token. You still, you still, it's you still know it's not a native to this planet. So you don't really know where it came from or how it got, exactly it got there, or you where get, the where the queen comes from, or you know what what's their purpose and what right what do they really understand and what are they doing and why and, and yeah and it's like and you get a little bit more and uh, you learn you get more concrete evidence that the aliens are intelligent in some in some form and not just operating on animal instinct uh which is something that was interesting i read once about what really scott how the title opening title sequence of alien he wanted them to represent runes or hieroglyphics oh yeah to to kind of suggest that the alien had a culture of some Mm -hmm. kind and I think that's a in that one that's a in the first one that's a really like subtle, unique way to do that, and it kind of just maybe doesn't overtly say, but it adds a layer of texture. No, I think in it. the in the most primitive sense, it adds to the feeling of like a foreign. Yeah, absolutely. You know the the other you know those abstract terms that we can use to describe the unknown. I think absolutely. it it works on that fundamental level. Totally. And that's another thing he said, too. Uh, I saw an interview that talked about how the, the studio was once originally pressuring him to take out the space jockey. Oh, right. Yeah, they said was, they were like, this is way too expensive. It's, it's just going to be a one shot. This is stupid. And it doesn't add anything directly to the story. Like, we get there, the eggs are there. That's all we need. And he goes, no, this adds to the concept of we don't know what's going on. Oh, it, it, it it's wild how much it really adds and how much it gets people talking and thinking. If you search on YouTube uh, for videos about, you just search Space Jockey, which was the nickname they gave it, you know, for production purposes. Right. That's not even like a formal, it's not a character, it's just a set piece, right? But if you search Space Jockey on YouTube, you will find thousands and thousands of videos what is the space jockey what's the story behind the space jockey space jockey explained like it's wild totally and i also love that too i mean obviously we'll get into this but in the later movies they do explain what the space jockey is uh but in the for better or for worse for better or for worse uh but you know originally like interviews with really scott he's like yeah we don't know it's just a thing there it's supposed to be supposed to be weird you yeah know? you're just supposed to be like yeah unnerved by it and like think about it and wonder yeah it's, that, it's that's like, one of the best parts of movies is when you just wonder yeah yeah i mean like i don't necessarily when a movie like a sequel comes out later and explains things it does it you know how some people go like well they just ruined it they just ruined the whole thing it's like well that movie 
the other movie still exists in a world before the other one came out, you know? Yes. I th- so, I think um, a mystique can be destroyed, but I think at the same time, explaining something doesn't always ruin it. It just sort right. of depends. I mean, I think in terms especially of, like, Predator, when you get into, uh, like, oh, here's the Predator homeworld, and here's what their species is named, and let, let's explain their number system and shit like that. Uh, I don't care. Like, get out of yeah. here. That's not the point. Like, when it misses the point, then, yes, I will say that that definitely kills the the energy and the aura around it. But if it adds something, then I'm all for it. True, but I think also if the original, you know, if the original story in the franchise or or a couple stories in the franchise are strong enough, you know, like you take go back to Predator. Yeah, we have all these explanations for the for the Predator species and all this stuff now that maybe aren't as cool as just like this mysterious space hunter who pops up. But the first one is so the first movie is so strong that when I watch that, I'm kind of lost in that world again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I'm not going in there with thinking about all the other stuff i know i mean it's like you watch a crappy like whodunit mystery movie and and it's you watch it again it's not fun anymore because you know who the killer is but if you watch a really good one it's still fun because you instantly get immersed in the in the the contained world of that film you know so i feel the same way with the alien movie it doesn't really matter what explanations they do or don't give later on or if those explanations are good or bad or hurt it or help it because when i watch the first one when i watch the second one i'm in that world right yeah from the opening credits to the end credits like you're you're confined into it's hudson's world and we're just we're just living in it and frankly that allows me to like enjoy other movies later on that maybe made some dumb choices more because i'm not constantly connecting them back and forth ah even though they do technically have continuity wow so what you're saying is that as the viewer you have to kind of take some responsibility for how you consume the movie that's wild i think so i mean i think if you get so if we get so hung up on detail it's like the person who gets hung up on the details of just like well, uh, if the gravity was 2.3% on the space station and 9% here, uh, how then for was the gravity? Did the aliens not just drift off into space? You know, that type of crap, you know? You're Neil deGrasse Tyson. You're talking about Neil deGrasse Tyson. Exactly. You want to beef and, with Neil deGrasse Tyson? I'm pretty sure he could figure I mean, out I, a way to I, hurt I, us I both. Yeah, and I understand <laughs> those things can be personally irritating sometimes, but you have to let them go. Like, honestly, one thing that kind of irritates me in every sequel to the Alien movies is that in the first Alien movies, like, you know, they, 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 they get a little drop of the alien blood from the facehugger, right? And it just starts melting through everything. And they're, like, freaking out because they're, like, they're, like, afraid that it's going to go through all the decks and hit the, the hole and right. burst the hole, hole open. It's just this one little drop. In the later ones, they're shooting acid wall to wall. People are getting hit with the acid blood and it just burns them. You know, it's not this incredibly intense thing. They even say, Dallas even says, I've only seen one other acid do something like that. And it was this blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know? And that's something that really bugs me about aliens in that uh, the scene where they set up the sentry guns and they're just blasting and blasting and blasting. That entire hallway 
like all those subfloors would have just melted into nothing and like the whole fucking section of the building would have collapsed into itself right with all those dead aliens yeah it's like and yes it's kind of ridiculous whatever but if like and it's like it's a pet peeve of mine but if i can't let that go you know like right pick apart any movie oh yeah you're going to find something that no it's all fake and phony and so you can find those flaws in literally everything there is no perfect so Frank- we, well, we we thought of everything. That, frankly, that movie doesn't exist. Frankly, once things are too tight, you know, or so tight, it can be a little distracting, honestly, because you're just like, wow, that that really tied everything together. There was no loose ends, and then you're then you start trying to see if you can find loose ends rather than just watching the fucking movie. Well, we watch movies to see the fantastic, to see the absurd, right. and to see things that we can't see in everyday life. And so, yeah, if if you're gonna be so resistant to every single aspect of a fictional work uh right. <laughs> maybe fiction isn't for you yeah and and on the same token in fairness i think there's definitely times where it's just lazy writing and you know like they just like tried to ignore something because they didn't want to try and figure out how to explain it that's fine dumb people can write stuff too if they want yeah that's i know i'm saying fine. i'm just i'm not saying i'm just, i'm just trying to say that, that it's not like i don't acknowledge that that exists it's just we can take it overboard, right? Um, but yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty damn good movies. Yeah, Do Aliens is good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like you said, tons of action. It's basically a yeah. Vietnam movie, uh, yeah. which is super cool. And you get Ripley going back in to kind of face her fears. Um, you know, dealing with her PTSD. That's super cool. One of my favorite things, though, and it's the same favorite thing I had from the original Alien is the fact that you've got another uh, robot subplot. And this time, it's, you know, Ripley's already suspicious of Bishop, even though the Marines love him and he's sort of one of the gang, he becomes this red herring because Ripley is constantly waiting for him to betray them all. And you also get these little, you know, sort of looks and hints and behaviors from Bishop that suggest he might be you know, despite his behavioral inhibitors and blah, 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 you know, once he sees the face hugger samples and starts analyzing them and working on them, you're like, uh Oh yeah. What's he doing? And he starts making these faces and then Burke starts giving him instructions. But by the end, you know, he's proven that, you know, he's all about the value of human life, which is pretty cool. Well, I, it's another one of those things trying to watch it with virgin eyes because you could just be like Ripley kind of waiting for something to go wrong. And right up until the last second, his his motivations aren't 100% clear, you know? No, and one and the, this idea that is he even in control of his right. own motivations? Right. You know, can he escape the programming and, and the directives from the company or whoever else? And then we get... I, I think maybe my actual favorite sort of gore and shock moment is when he's impaled by the alien queen mm-hmm. because your initial thought is, oh my God, how did a face hugger implant in a fucking robot? Right. That's the kind of the feeling you get, the way they handle the scene. And then it's the, the tail comes through as, you know, Ripley's holding on to him and the, the milk is everywhere and then he gets split in half. It's maybe the most violent and disgusting scene I've ever seen in a monster movie, arguably. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty gross. Yeah, it's incredible. 
I mean, the, the the milkiness is way grosser than actual. Just oh, and just the way he spits it out, and all the little like tubes and mm-hmm. all that stuff, and that's just great stuff. No complaints here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think for me, one of my favorite things about it is if I I like looking at it in kind of a in terms of James Cameron's full filmography, and I think it's I'm not going to say whether. I'm not going to rank it in his career like, oh, this is his best movie or second best movie. But I think it's it's definitely his least flawed movie. Yeah. Because for as, as, as fantastic as movies he has made, they are often plagued by like pretty cheesy dialogue, which this one has. But it's not as cheesy as a lot of his movies. And when it is cheesy, it oddly works better than it does in, say, Terminator or The Abyss or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you, do you have an example? Uh, maybe just kind of like when, when like Ripley's talking to Newt. It's like some of that dialogue's a little cheesy, but Ripley's also kind of like, I'm an adult trying to talk to a little kid, and I'm trying to relate, so I'm trying to talk like a kid, and often Newt's kind of the one that's kind of like, uh, I, I got it, you know? Yeah, it's a, <laughs> yeah. I actually think that, that stuff works pretty yes. well. Like, it is corny and sentimental, but at the same time, like, here's this, this person who you know, not too long ago was told that her elderly daughter is dead and she has no family. And so she's seeking out a surrogate, you know, family. And that becomes, you know, the form of Newt and then also Hicks later on. So, and, and it's, and it's Sigourney Weaver trying to talk the way she thinks a kid would talk, or I'm going to talk to this kid. Right. I'm going to relate to you, but the kid is like, and then versus in like Terminator two, when John Connor talks like the way no child talks because it's james cameron trying to write like a kid so basically so ripley is james cameron in aliens she's trying to communicate like a kid but isn't doing it successfully because she's not and but in terminator 2 john connor is a kid but not talking like a kid because he was because it was written by james cameron yeah you know i'm always on the fence with that adults writing kids thing because on the one hand, like there are movies like, you know, The Big Green, where mm-hmm. they write the kids like real kids and they're all fucking idiots. And then there's movies like Terminator 2, where it's like, yeah, not many kids are like that, but okay, there's a reason that this kid's going to grow up to be the leader of the human resistance. Cause oh, he's sure. not like, you know, and he's like hacking ATMs and he's like working on a dirt bike and like. I wasn't doing any of that shit when I was a kid, but that's the kind of kid I wanted to be. Yeah. So he's like, he's, he's setting this sort of ideal of like, okay, here's this, not quite a super kid, but like, you know, he's like the cool kid that is like super confident and like can cope with shit. And, uh, you know, the kind of kid that you might want to be versus the kid that you are. No, no, I get that. Totally. I meant more times in terms of like the way kids talk or the slang they use or, I thought it was so sick that he incorporated those like Spanish uh, slang and like insults and stuff. When I was a kid, I thought that I was like, "Oh man, I want to learn a second language." Yeah, because <laughs> oh, it I was did... like, and I'm like, maybe it's because I was growing up in the Pacific Northwest, and that was like like a California thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like, literally anybody from California seemed like the coolest person in the world to me. I see. But, you know, Eddie Furlong's paying for it now. Now he's that's, not so cool, is he? <laughs> that's a fact. 
<laughs> no, that's too bad, honestly. No. I yeah. saw I saw him on a podcast uh not too long ago and he's really he's really had a hard time of it. I'm sure, yeah. But he's I think he's doing okay. That's good. And then he got murdered in Terminator Dark Fate. Dude, yeah. I I was doing some reading about Dark Fate the other day cuz unfortunately that movie did not turn out so good, but I did Oh, re- you did, you didn't like it? I did. I love Terminator Genesis, but I did not like Dark Fate. So really? make make of that what you will. But uh, Dark Fate had a couple of really amazing moments, specifically where John Connor gets murdered, and mm-hmm. then the payoff of that, where the Terminator that murdered him goes off and lives a quiet life as a drapery salesman. <laughs> I love. Yeah. I I mean, spoiler alert, but those uh, are such great like you know i I believe those are james cameron contributions to the story uh and it really harkens back to like he took questions from a previous movie and gave them really fascinating answers yeah not just like the uh like you it's like sometimes the mystery is better because no no one's coming up with a satisfying conclusion and this is like oh what does happen to a terminator after it completes its mission yeah wouldn't wouldn't skynet send more than one and then what happens after yeah it was uh i think the the the, the biggest um uh flaw of dark fate is that it is essentially a remake of terminator 2 oh yeah definitely it it really it's a such a retread for sure but the the new thing, the new concepts and new ideas that they interject is are so good that this movie would have worked better if it had come out as ter- like the third Terminator movie. Oh know? yeah, and it came out uh, that there that there wasn't anything in between, and then maybe it wasn't so much of a remake because if you interject these ideas, like you said, of what. Like he just becomes a drapery, an old drapery salesman, and just the, even the like, dynamic that uh, the, this particular Terminator has with his family that we don't even really get to see them that much. Yeah, but even just the thing where where Linda Hamilton goes like, "Well, your wife, she knows you're a robot, right? She knows you're a six hundred pound uh, robot when you lay in bed with her," and he and he just goes, "Our relationship is non physical, but we love each other," and I just thought that had like it op- that opened up another thing to think about it's like what is the dynamic of their relationship their husband and wife what is yeah. you know what 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 does she know you it know? really inspires wonder and those are the best yeah. kinds of ideas like at what point do you like are you hooked up with this guy and you're like i think my boyfriend is a robot from the future yeah, there's something weird about him. <laughs> you know, like, but it's never been, but it's, but clearly it's never been addressed. All the fridge magnets stick to him, and I yeah. don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it, in in some ways, it it plays with some of the kind of headier ideas of the aftermath of these concepts than the the first two, which are are definitely the better movies. But it it, it, it introduces the most interesting concepts i think yeah and it's too bad because i guess there is a lot of conflict between uh james cameron and the director um they really like were at odds about a lot of the stuff really uh, from the story yeah it's it's pretty interesting to read so the director is i forget his name but he directed uh deadpool yeah the deadpool movies so he was uh, and uh like kingsman and wait no he didn't do kingsman 
the same guy? He might have been a stunt director. He was a stunt guy first, so he might have been right. a stunt director. I've been reading a lot of Wikipedia the last gotcha. couple of days, but uh, uh, either way, yeah, they came at really. He he was an adept, you know, action director. But yeah, they it started out really cool and exciting. You know, we'll, we'll get James Cameron and he'll make sure that this is up to snuff. And then they just butted heads on a lot of uh, a lot of ideas and things like that. And then he left. You know, once shooting started. Um, one to kind of let the director have his movie, but then also uh, he was—I think he was shooting uh, an Avatar sequel or something like that. Yeah. So once the once the shooting started, then it was pretty much uh, all over. So I don't know. So what? Um, I mean, is there anything about Aliens now, all these years later, that you think you know doesn't work or might seem dated or uh, the uh, the the are we talking we're talking we're talking still specifically about aliens the movie or aliens the franchise aliens the movie uh that doesn't work well there it seems dated um not really like i do think like you could release there is some possibly some blue screen stuff yeah i think some of the effects work unfortunately is a little bit dodgy at this point it took a really long time to get there though but frankly like even still it's like even when we pick apart you know, like, oh, this blue screen isn't up to snuff, and you blue screens are great now. Some you watch movies now, and you're just like, oh, that looks awful. You know, sometimes not because the effects haven't progressed, but because the execution or the way they were used was not uh, that skillful. Whereas how skillfully the effects are used in Aliens, I remember very specific. Like I said, I don't have a, really a recollection of the first time I saw. Uh, alien like that's because kind of constantly in my, con- in my consciousness but I do remember the first at least the first time I saw the alien queen and wondering like how are they doing this yeah like how is this happening in front of me and there's only that that and also the how the the face huggers in that in 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 aliens when they're like scampering across the floor and jumping at people right those things I remember like that and like when I saw Jurassic, the first time I saw Jurassic Park are the two most significant times where I was aware enough of, spe- of special effects. You know, because obviously if you're like seven years old and you're watching Star Wars, you're not thinking about that, right? Uh, but I was aware enough of special effects when I saw Aliens and Jurassic Park to be like, how is this happening? I don't understand how this is even being pulled off. And I think those effects really hold up today. You could release them in movies today, and uh, frankly, they would look a lot better than a lot of stuff we see. You know, yeah, they're pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, aside from that, I mean, some of the miniatures might look a little goofy now. Um, they kind of showed their age, especially on Blu-ray, which is unfortunate that like higher quality media uh, uh, is sort of exposing that. But if you watch it on like an old DVD or a VHS, like it all sort of blends together. But, uh, yeah, all the performances are up to snuff. The story is engaging. Uh, the action's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's it's really hard to, to criticize it, honestly. You know, that's uh, why you it's know, a classic, and that's why it's so well-lauded. And... I mean, the, probably the biggest thing, the biggest dated thing is, like, some racial stereotypes and a white woman playing a Mexican. Sure. Uh, that doesn't, that certainly doesn't age well um uh, Jeanette Goldstein yeah yeah uh 
But if you hate, if you don't like these movies, if you hate these movies, we want to hear about it. I would like to know the person who like legit hates. I'm fascinated by those opinions. Some of them are just contrarian, yeah. uh, yes. just because it's you know they're bothered by everyone else's sort of universal enjoyment and that's fine but yeah the thing we talked about earlier like it's cool to like some people perceive it as cool to be like well you know this movie is not that great i only watch uh b cinema from yugoslavia i'm definitely one of those people sometimes but uh it would be fascinating to hear you know because we're so far removed and there's so much uh you know that has happened since these movies and there's people that have grown up and watched you know so much uh and are going to have a different, you know, perspective on this. So it would be great to hear those opinions. I would like to hear the opinion of somebody who disliked both, like legitimately, not just like yeah. contrarily, disliked both Alien and Aliens, and not just because they're like, I don't like sci-fi movies, or they're no, too violent I, for me. I want to hear someone who thinks that uh, Alien and Aliens are pedestrian sort of exploitation trash compared to Prometheus and Covenant, which are art house you know, sort of high art films. Right. I, and, if and you like, have that opinion, like yeah. hit us up on Facebook, hit us up on Instagram at trashy pod. And, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll interview you and put you on the damn show. What do you think about yeah. that? Hotshot? Yeah. You could be, this could be your ticket to the big time. Yeah. Yeah. We have listeners in Iraq. We do like one. We got listeners all over. There's a surprising amount of people listening to this show. So uh, I was, thanks to everybody yeah. who uh, y'all just made um, Deadly Friend one of our top three most popular episodes. Yeah, I was re- very surprised when you shocking that, that uh, demographic of where we're listened to in the world. And I was like, what? Like we're, we're, we have listeners in Japan. That's awesome. Yeah. Shout out to Japan. We love your movies. Oh, we love your food. Mm. We love your, um, I don't know, mountains. Yeah. Stuff like that. So Hell yeah. Thanks to everybody. Actually. It feels good. feels good. We, we'll keep making these shows as long as y'all keep listening. Uh, despite the uh, sporadic nature of these uh, episodes dropping, we're going to do our best in the future to try and make it a little more consistent. But, yeah. uh, you know. It's uh, just been rough. Hey, I mean, it's rough all the We're time. only human. Yeah. Huh? Actually, yeah, I remember in the actually, in the movie when the guy says in the movie, wait, said not, no, not says, bad says, for a says, human, not bad for a human. That actually also became the title of <laughs> Lance Henriksen's autobiography. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not bad for a human. That's amazing. Yeah, good for him. He's good old as him. shit now. Yeah, dude. He's like, well, he's almost eighty, right? Oh yeah. Or is eighty? I don't know. He's got a heavy backstory too. Lance Henriksen obviously played Bishop the android, but he like grew up in an abusive household and was living on the streets for a while and oh. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, he's a real hard luck story. But have you read his autobiography? I have not, but no. I've read the title. Well, maybe we should. Maybe it's time to, to move in. From, we're moving from movies to books. Oh we're yeah, let's start reviewing actors' autobiographies. That would be <laughs> God, sweet. No. Speaking of. Uh, books. I started getting into uh, Aliens audiobooks. Oh, like the extended universes? Yeah. I found, I'm right now I'm in the middle of one called The Cold Forge. Um, And it's a whole lot of nothing, to be honest. It's, um, 
just sort of a research facility at the ass end of space experimenting with, you know, aliens and alien eggs. And there's a couple of interests. The main character is not a protagonist. He's an antagonist, but he's like an American psycho style sociopath who just uses people and takes glee and in firing people and getting them, you know, removed from their jobs and for the company. And then there's another character who's a scientist who is, she's bedridden. And so she spends her days piloting a Android body around to do her work. Hmm. And, uh, other than that, there's not, just not a whole lot going on. Uh, there is an Australian guy who has stories about the outback and he, he says that Australian people from the bush make the best, um, sort of colonizers in space. Because they're huh. they're tough and resourceful and bomb. It's I all never, very hammy. It's well performed yeah. though. The narrator is really good, so I'm still still on board with it. I've never gotten into too many extended universe type things where it's like the oh now here's the books too that take you even further. But it's always kind of interesting to hear them. And I've read like maybe sometimes some alien comics or yeah some other some other uh, big sci-fi franchise stuff that had broken into comic books. And they, they, sometimes you do get some really unique and interesting stories over there, but I, I never deep dive that hard. I'm always interested in at least hearing the plot synopsis of what someone else came up with in the, in the same universe. Speaking somewhat related, another recommendation before we get out of here. Uh, I was watching, well, I know we've been, I've brought up Godzilla a lot lately because I have just been watching a lot of Godzilla movies. Um, because I've always been a big fan, but I realized I'd never like really watched them all start to finish. And there was some I'd never seen or some, I, it's been so long since I've seen them. So I should probably just like kind of watch them all in order. If you want to see a really good ripoff of the first action scene in aliens, like when they first arrive at the compound and start getting attacked, Godzilla, Godzilla versus Destroya pretty much copies that scene almost identically wow and and they do a pretty good job i mean the the monsters in that even have little the little interior second mouth so check that out it's fun i will do that okay fine it's an excellent recommendation so we got coming up though i mean like right we're kind of wrapping this one up right yeah next time on the egg chronicles We'll be talking about Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection. Now that we've gotten the uh, the first two out of the way, which, yeah. who, you know, who gives a crap? They're good. You know, yeah, everybody I mean, loves them. This next one will probably... Let's a, get to a, the juicy stuff. A deeper dive into the movies themselves rather than just talking about the world around Alien. You know, less of that, more just like, let's get into the nitty-gritty. Yeah, meat. we're going to really, really sink our teeth into this we're shit. Gonna, we're going to lay some eggs inside of those movies and come bursting yeah, out we'll burst forth with our opinions and won't mm. that be fun it'll be something yeah so thanks for uh thanks for joining us on uh on this journey through the alien series don't worry once we're finished with all of this we'll get back to you know some weird movies like you know i don't know junior and we should do ghost Rider, spirit of vengeance or Ooh. crank or who the hell knows we should do uh in our kind of like episode where we do like the alien versus predator and those, those ones, those kind of fringe movies, we should pick a straight up like eighties, like un like unabashed ripoff of alien. Oh yeah. Like creature or yeah. Like what is it like one a, of those? It's like forbidden planet, I think is one. 
Oh, uh, no, no, you're thinking no. of... Um, Terror Planet. Planet Terror. No, no, no hold on. You're, you're so close. It's a it's a Roger Corman movie. It's like, like Ga- right Galaxy, of, Galaxy Terror. of Terror. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Which is funny. Okay, we're just extending this. One last thing. Dan O'Bannon took the script of Alien to Roger Corman, and Roger Corman said, this is too good for me. You need a bigger budget to really pull this off than I can give you. Shop it around. If no one else wants to take it, do it. Bring it back, and we'll make a B-movie out of it. Wow. So there you go. Final tidbit. That's amazing. Having an understanding of like the material and also, you know, knowing who you are and what you're about. Mm-hmm. That's what it that's what it do. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll see you guys soon with more alien, but until that time. Hey, that's my line. Oh, I'm no, don't I set you up? I go. Until next time, you go. Oh wait, no way! You're right. I did take it away from you. Yeah, I took away you the first son half. of a bitch. God you, damn it! You you took it away from me the way Carter Burke was gonna take away uh, the power on the cryo tubes. So so wait, how do we set this up normally? I go. Well, that's all from us today. You, yeah, something like that. And then you go. Until next time. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it again. Well. We've talked about Aliens 1 and 2. We're going to talk about the other ones later. So that's all from us today. I'll try and try and work in some, uh, like, a line from the movie. Oh, somehow. yeah. Like, uh, oh, no, I'll do it. Okay. okay, you set it up, and then I'll do it. Okay. Let's try this again. Okay. All right, well, I think we've we've cracked the Alien code. Um, that's all from us for us for today. Uh, we're going to sign off here, but we'll see you guys soon. And until next time, the hive is closed. Goodbye, everyone.